Welcome back to South Florida Sunday. Sharina with you. And May is coming up here pretty soon. It is also that time that we start thinking about stroke awareness because, of course, it is Stroke Awareness Month. Did you know that strokes rank as the fifth leading cause of deaths in the U.S.? I have Dr. Stephen Chastain from Encompass Health on the line with me today to give us some information regarding strokes that could possibly save a life. Good morning, Dr. Chastain. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, good morning. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Uh, can you give us a little bit about your background? Um, what made you pursue this field of study? Well, I uh, started out uh, in internal medicine over 30 years ago. I've been involved in uh, rehabilitation for stroke for over 20 years. Oh. and. I did a fellowship in vascular medicine, and I do vascular medicine management uh, for over t- 10 years um, here at Encompass Health Rehab, and we treat over 40 strokes a month at our hospital. Oh, wow. It seems like you've been on every side of the stroke issue, and I'm pretty excited to ask you these questions. Um, we mentioned stroke is the number five cause of death in the U.S., but just how common are strokes, and uh, which demographics do they mostly affect? one in four people worldwide will have a stroke in their lifetime. It, wow. it seems that uh, we're actually living longer, so we are actually uh, have more time to have a stroke. And mm-hmm. that's one reason that women are more likely than men to have a stroke, because they have a greater longevity and less mm-hmm. cardiac. But then they pay the price because they actually have uh, more strokes than men. Yeah, I saw that. Like, even though worldwide strokes rank as number five on the list of leading causes of death, Uh, For women, it ranks at number three. You did mention that it was because uh, women tend to live longer, but I also saw that pregnancy can play a part in that, menopause, um, even taking birth control pills. Yeah, there's several causes for stroke. Probably the most common is hypertension or high blood pressure. Mm. Um, Having um, hormones during pregnancy fluctuate, not very common, but it it does happen. And um, other causes you think of are diabetes, smoking, high cholesterol, uh, even sickle cell anemia. I, I've seen that happen before, and that affects certainly uh, the uh, black population and, and specifically. And it's interesting that a stroke can come on at any age. Like I read a story that a 21-year-old woman uh, suffered a stroke. Right. Yeah, it's no respecter of age. Wow. Uh, we get uh, young people with strokes. Um, a lot of times it can be something as weird as migraine headaches can cause mm. a stroke. Um, if you have heart rhythm problems, and we're seeing a lot of uh, young adults, too, that are living after having cardiac procedures as a child. So uh, having that procedure and surviving you know, into young adulthood, they can still have an increased risk of stroke as well think that when you're young, you don't think about that. You're like, I'm fine. I'm invincible. I don't have to worry about that until I'm older. But then, you know, it could happen to anyone. Sure. And too, I think 20s, 30s, we think that, you know, I'm fine. I don't need a doctor. But if I have longer to treat the patient, let's say if you do have an inherited uh, predisposition, if I have longer to treat you, then I can actually make a a larger difference uh, in the um, in the risk. Yeah, I was going to ask, are there any like genetic dispositions that may lead to uh, having a higher risk of, of having a stroke? The one that comes to mind is actually having blood clots in your family. So if you have a mother, father, brother, or sister that had blood clots, if that runs in your family, it's something to be aware of and try to modify the things that you can modify. I mean, you can't pick your parents, but <laughs> you, can, uh, you can choose to make some lifestyle changes. Well, speaking of lifestyle changes, diet definitely plays a role, right? 
Right, yeah. So uh, it's interesting if you go to another less industrialized country that eats a more vegetarian diet, they have a lower risk of these things. So monitoring uh, your your diet is beneficial, and I think it's really one of those things that you have to talk to your primary care doctor and see, you know, how your cholesterol panel is. I mean, even mm-hmm. that are in their young adult uh, life need to have their cholesterol panel checked to see what it is. Yeah, and I find it so interesting that high blood pressure is actually the leading cause of strokes. Right, so high blood pressure does a couple of different things. Uh, number one, it's kind of like a hammer beating on your arteries. It's like mm-hmm. a repetitive uh, stress on your system and your in your heart it, itself. Uh, but then two, sometimes blood vessels break. Look at uh, history, you know, FDR, uh, former president, had mm-hmm. high blood pressure that could be treated and ultimately caused a uh, um, hemorrhagic stroke. So. Uh, just the fact that the blood pressure can be controlled, uh, it's interesting that, you know, what is the ideal blood pressure? So the blood pressure, uh, the lower the blood pressure, the lower risk of stroke. So if you can get by with a blood pressure of 110 over 70, and, you know, that's actually less risk of stroke than 140 over 90, although both blood pressures are pretty good. Well, seeing as hypertension is one of the leading causes of strokes, um, you definitely want to keep up on your blood pressure readings. Where are some places in the community that people can uh, get their readings done? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, your local health department, sure. Um, You know, churches do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Honestly, what I tell patients, I said, you have a birthday coming up. Just ask your family for a blood pressure cuff for your (laughs) birthday. I think every family should have one available because uh, there's so many uh, so many cases where you might need to have one. And the American Heart Association also has clinics, right? They have a program, yeah. So if you go online, you can find where they're doing local screenings and uh, be a part of that. So I, mean, I think they actually do what I call multi-risk factor screening. So it's not just your blood pressure. It's actually maybe a cholesterol or looking at some other factors that would lead to uh, either stroke or heart disease. Oh, so it's like kind of like a physical. Well, yeah, I mean, it's In a some screening. Ways. But mm-hmm. think about a screening, uh, you're basically taking somebody that is not having any symptoms and trying to find something early. Blood pressure would be like that because you don't have any symptoms from us. I mean, you may have a blood pressure of 180 over 100 and mm-hmm. not have any symptoms that you would think of. Oh, wow. What about stroke symptoms? What are some signs and symptoms you would experience if you are having a stroke or about to have one? Um, so, yeah, stroke, I mean, the term, what does stroke mean? Uh, it got its name like the stroke of midnight. It happens suddenly. Um, you're fine one minute and you're not the next. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something called TIA, which stands for transient ischemic attack. Some people call it mini strokes. It's kind of like a warning sign that you would have a stroke. So it's important to recognize that even if you have uh, slurred speech or weak uh, arm or weak leg or balance problem or vision problem, even if it only lasts a few minutes, it could be a warning stroke. And it's been shown that if you intervene at that, you know, soon after that, um, that TIA that your risk for stroke, having a disabling stroke, would be less. And how long would you say a person has to get help before things like kind of take a turn for the worse? Okay, so if you're having TIAs, maybe you know you would say let's get it checked out soon. But if you're having a stroke, if you actually notice some problems, uh, it's critical. So uh, I would say 
maybe in the old days, you know, there wasn't a whole lot you could do for an acute stroke, but now things have changed. Uh, we actually have stroke centers that can do uh, extreme uh, measures to prevent brain damage. Um, so getting there as soon as possible is important. That's actually uh, the only treatment uh, for an acute stroke uh, is a clot buster called TPA or very similar drugs that solve the clot. Um, another thing that's done from a procedure standpoint is actually to go in and pull out the clot. And mm. uh, all of those things need to be done as soon as possible. Uh, it's been shown that if you get to the hospital and get the clot buster medicine within four hours, that uh, your risk of having brain damage is much, much less. And you have to understand that getting to the hospital, they have to do a CT scan, an image of your brain, just to make sure that you're not hemorrhaging into mm -hmm. the brain before they can give you a clot buster because, you know, 10 to 15 percent of strokes are due to hemorrhage and not due to clot. So um, it's important to get there so they can get through that before they can make a decision. Right. Even when you get to the hospital, they still have to run their test to determine what exactly is happening to you. So that takes time. And there's an antigram for stroke symptoms, um, F-A-S-T. Can you walk us through that? Fast. Uh, it's just to try to make the point that you don't need to wait if you have any of these symptoms. So uh, facial droopings. Uh, I can do a quick neuro exam probably in two minutes. So I say, smile, show me your teeth. So if you see the patient try to smile and one side of the mouth is droopy, uh, they, then that's a sign. If you say stick out your tongue and it's not straight, uh, that's another sign. So the F stands for face drooping. Uh, the A stands for arm weakness. So what I usually do is say hold out your hands like you're holding up a plate in front of you with your palms up. And if you do that and they can't hold up one side or it tends to to drift downward, then that's a, that's a sign that they could have uh, brain damage uh, that's affecting the arm. Mm. It would also often affect the leg, so that's where the balance comes in, so it can affect the balance center of the brain or weakness in the, in the leg, too. Uh, the S stands for slurred speech. Um, you can ask the patient to say something after you. Maybe you sound like their words are slurring and so slurred speech, garbled, uh, uh, I use the term no ifs, ands, or buts. And it's interesting, if you talk to stroke survivors, they, they practice that saying and say, okay, I got it, you know. <laughs> uh, but um, if you ask them to say that, I mean, it could be something simple like, you know, tell me your date of birth. I mean, it's something that you're, you're asking them to say back to you, and you'll notice that they have a tr trouble doing it. Uh, well, the T stands for time, and like I said before, 911 needs to be called uh, if you're having a stroke. Don't wait. So if you call 911 and say, I'm having a stroke, with the um, emergency medical system as it is now, it triggers a higher alert, mm -hmm. and they call it a stroke alert. And, you know, we've had uh, people in our rehab hospital that uh, we picked up that were having problems. They put them on a helicopter. They took them. To a stroke center and got the clot out of their head and they were, you know, without a disability uh, and the clot was out of their head within just a few hours. So That's amazing. Uh, time is at the essence, so don't, don't delay. And what are your odds of like a full recovery if, if you catch the stroke within that golden hour? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's um, certainly the sooner the better. Uh, each person's a little bit different, but I can tell you some miracles of people that had 
you know, no movement whatsoever of uh, an arm and a leg and actually recovered completely and no deficits. So, wow. Uh, put the odds in your favor, get there sooner rather than later. Exactly. And, you know, it's one of those things I would call 911 for. I mean, uh, you think, well, what would I call 911 for? Um, you know, it, it's been shown that the majority of people say, hey, I've got this funny problem. I'm going to call a family member and mm-hmm. get them to drive me to the hospital, and they're actually losing time if they go through that route. Yeah, exactly. And stroke being the leading cause of disabilities, um, what are some resources that stroke victims have? Uh, certainly the uh, American Stroke, American Heart, uh, stroke.org, you have a nice, uh, actually got online to check it out, and there's a lot of great uh, information online that you can do. Um, uh, a lot of those patients, if they have a disabling stroke, do go through rehabilitation. So. Uh, here at the rehabilitation hospital, most strokes come to us and spend, you know, 10 to 14 days in rehab and intensive rehab. And uh, we have a lot of resources for them. We have a book called, you know, Living with Stroke uh, that we give those patients. Um, and you can actually purchase that online. It's good for family members as well. And then also we have a stroke support group. So there's a, a group of people that have survived stroke and they come together and uh, talk about, you know, coping with some of the deficits that they might have. And we didn't cover this. Are there ways to prevent strokes? Yeah, uh, so I think of the ways we talked about high blood pressure and diet, um, certainly exercise, a good cardiac uh, exercise. Walking is always a good thing. It works both the heart, the legs, and uh, actually been shown potentially to slow down the progression of uh, dementia. So, mm. uh, you know, exercise is important. Uh, what is one thing that you want the listeners to uh, remember after this interview? Um, yeah, just uh, what I said about don't wait. Uh, and I think, too, uh, this is going to sound a little unusual. If you have a family member that has a stroke, I think it's important to recognize how it, how prominent depression is after a stroke. So mm. you've lost the use of your arm or your leg and just realize that it's common for that patient because of the disability to be depressed. I would have never thought of that. So yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> well, once again, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Chastain. Um, if anyone has further questions or looking for more resources, how can they find those? So uh, I think you have your local um, American Heart, American Stroke uh, that you can call as far as just a phone call. If you're uh, able to get online, uh, stroke.org, a pretty simple website, uh, but American Stroke Association is there and they can put you with um, plenty of information. If you're interested in rehab, uh, you can look up your local Encompass Health uh, Rehabilitation Hospital and I know our website has even a virtual tour of the hospitals and some of the technology that we use for stroke rehabilitation.